Welcome to Season 3, Episode 5 of the Banded About podcast series. Today's guest first became interested in the harmonica after going into a record store in the 80s where the owner was playing an album by The Animals which featured Sonny Boy Williamson. He loved it so much that he purchased the album straight away. His brother, who noticed how much he was enjoying the blues, decided that he would buy him a harmonica and a book on how to play it for his birthday. And this was the beginning of his musical journey, a journey that has followed him from his birthplace in Ottawa to Edmonton, Alberta, Vancouver, and from 2005, South Australia, where he has remained ever since. But before I introduce today's guest, it's first time for me to play the Bandit About theme song, which was written and recorded for the Bandit About podcast series by the very talented Catherine Lambert and Michael Mitzi Bryant. that I welcome Will Calendaris. Welcome, Will, and thank you for making time to chat with me today. Oh, you're welcome, Di. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Thank you. Okay, Will, let's start from the beginning. You were born and raised in Canada, weren't you? Yes, I, I was. I was born actually in Ottawa and sort of spent half my life there and then family moved, be close to the rallies in Edmonton, Alberta. Final years before coming out here, I lived uh, a year in Vancouver. British Columbia, been all over the place, nomads. Did either of your parents come from a musical background or anyone else in the family? Uh, I don't think anyone has, but later on, my mom, being Greek, used to have a lot of Greek albums and sing along, and I found out later she was writing Greek music, I mean, traditional folk, and I thought that was quite interesting because I didn't know she was lyrical till later on. But besides that, no, I, it was nobody really musical from my mom and father's side, not that I know of. Interesting. I just took to it. I just liked the sound of music. But there's always music playing in the house. Like I remembered far back when I was a little kid, back in 1978 or 79, we were kids, my brother and my sister, my dad were sitting out on the front porch of our house. This is in Ottawa. And it was summer and we were having lemonade. And I remember this long-haired hippie comes up our street pushing like a couple of boxes of, of albums, just full of albums and 45s and and he said to my dad, hey, mister, do you want to buy some music for your kids? And so my dad bought the whole thing, goes, here you guys go. Because um, he was really proud of buying this big wooden cabinet stereo system. And it had one of those built-in radio cassette decks. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Record player. And the rest was just to store records. And they had this little ruby red light when you plug it in to let you know it's ready to go. And I remember putting on a 45 of Black Dog from Led Zeppelin and thought, what's this? It just sounded so in your face. It put a smile on your face for sure. And 
I just loved music after that. Just anything. Excellent. Did you study music at all when you went to school? Not really. I mean, I took saxophone when I was in junior high. It was grade seven or something. I wouldn't say I had a very inspiring teacher, so I'm not sure why I stopped. I did like the sax, but I didn't study it at school at all. By the time I was 16, I was interested in learning the harmonica, and there wasn't any real courses or anything. It was just something I took to. Yeah, it just never occurred to me to join the orchestra band and stuff. So you were inspired to pick up the harmonica after hearing the music of Sonny Boy Williamson and Little Walter and John Mayall, Dylan? Yeah. As soon as I heard the blues, that was it. I remember my brother got me a job working at this pub, and right next door to it was this record store, and it was a bad idea for a teenager at 15 and 16 <laughs> to like go in and listen to music. I tended to buy a lot of music. I wasn't listening to blues, but I was right into the British invasion. It, it was just all over the place in the 80s. I'd go into a comic store when I was like 11, and they'd always be playing on the radio, the Rolling Stones, the Beatles, the Yardbirds, the Doors. And so it felt nostalgic. A lot of fun reading comics in movie magic magazines while listening to this music. So I think back then, I liked it. I remember going into this record shop and the owner was playing an album. It was called The Animals with Sonny Boy Williamson. First album introduced me to the blues. I was listening to the harmonic and I was just drawn to it. I think it was 1964, 63, live at the Club of Gogo in Newcastle. And yeah, I had to buy that right away. And my brother knew I was very into the harmonica. So he bought me one for my birthday along with a book how to learn to play and I guess that's the only book I ever learned from the rest was just spent time listening and playing along to the records that was my education I guess you could say well that's pretty much how everybody learnt back then and after all we didn't have the luxury of the internet or YouTube well when did you join your first band well to be honest I you know I had friends that play and come over to their house and jam and I didn't start to actually busk and perform or play much until I moved to Edmonton in the 1990s. So in the 80s, I was just practicing and practicing and just enjoying those records. I was a bit shy to make mistakes and get on stage. And, you know, I used to work in a hotel and uh, they had this cool pub. And back in the 90s, boogie woogie piano players were big. I think there was two or three of them. There was this one guy who used to play two, three times a night at the hotel I used to work out downstairs in this pub. And he basically took me under his wing for like nine years. And I used to play along with the band. Finished work, I'd go over there to unwind, have a beer, and just wail away on the harmonica. It was my brother who pushed me and said, it's all right to make mistakes, mate. Get out there and just play. So I did. And there was another great place in Edmonton called the uh, Blues on White Hotel on White Avenue. I used to have bands played. I used to join the Saturday open jam nights, enjoy playing the harmonica, and then sometimes come with the guitar as well. And eventually started playing some of the clubs in Edmonton, Alberta. And also I used to busk there a lot too in the underground tram lines. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> and I've been doing that for like, oh, all up 16 years, you know, before coming out to Adelaide, just enjoying that. So I didn't really put a band together. I was always jumping into people's sets and bands that were already sort of established, I guess. And I used to sit and just listen to a lot of great harmonica players in Edmonton, Alberta. There was a guy named Heart Dog Brown. I think that's his name. Yeah, he was just fantastic. Or Rusty Reeds, really follow the blues scene in Edmonton. So why did you decide to move to Adelaide? 
my brother married an Aussie mm. back in like 2000. And then and he came out and he was living out here. He sent me pictures of Adelaide, Australia. And I was going to come out for a visit. And he said, hey, even better, save your money, mate. I was planning on studying health and making a transition from the hotel industry to something else while I had a chance. And Dad's saying, why don't you come out here and study as an international student? So I looked into it and then I came out and stayed with him. He's close to me and I wasn't sure if I wanted to live here. I know he wanted to sponsor me. And then after two years of full-time study, Adelaide grew on me and I thought I'll go for permanent residency and later citizenship if I like it, just so I have that under my belt. And I ended up staying. I just liked it a lot. I've been out here a while, what, 17 years, 17 plus years. Yeah. You formed a power trio, is that correct? Yeah, well, I was at college. My brothers were saying, I always want to put on something with the harmonica. Why don't you get out and form a band? I thought, yeah, you know, it's always my brother pushed me. <laughs> but at that time, I was checking out the scene. I was going to open mic nights, you know. And back then, I remember, you know, the Gov had one on Wednesday. I think it was even APN D'Antonio that was hosting it, you know. And then there was Billy Bob's Jams at the Grace Emily. And I just went out and supported live music and check out the We Cheap Hotel and all the other great things. Around that time when I was finishing college, I thought I should put a band together and, you know, I attracted a couple of guys. I basically said to the universe, give me the most funkiest. So I wanted to do something different with the harmonica. So I thought, give me the most funkiest drummer and bass player. And I basically got those guys. They made me like practice with a metronome and everything, which I think made me a much better musician. So that was a great project. I gave the name Star Step Evolution because I like writing as well. I'm a songwriter. So it was fun having them as a trio work what they think the song needs and things and then come in with the harmonica and play something soulful and funky as well as blues. There was a lot of reggae in there as well and a lot of open jams. So that only lasted, I think, from 2007, 2009. But I just continued gigging around town, just solo and sometimes jumping to friends' projects and just building a repertoire of originals as well as blues. And of course, with your own songs that you were working on, you ended up releasing a debut solo album, Last of the Singing Peace Chiefs. That's right, 2016. That was long overdue. It was a good album. Just wrote all those songs and it's a fun album. I really wanted to have it stripped back with acoustic guitar, singing quite lyrical songs and then playing a lot of harmonica on the album. And I think out of... I think 11 songs, I think like nine or 10 of them all have harmonic on them. They're all quite different. So it's fun first CD. And I actually still play a lot of those songs in my sets. Oh, that's great. Yeah. In 2017, you joined Cal Williams Jr. for several festival shows, I believe. Yeah, that was interesting. I put on a show back in 2010. I started doing my own little shows and I had some friends, a folk duo, husband and wife, Shell and James with the Wandering Minstrels, and I just really liked their folky, rootsy vibe. I remember seeing them doing a show with Cal Williams, Chris Finn, and Heather Fran. I approached the Wandering Minstrels and Cal Williams, and I said, hey, I'm putting on a show, and I want to call it Roots, Folk, and Blues. And at the time, I did it at the Cavern, and it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that gig. I remember we did Bob Dylan's I Shall Be Released. We all got on stage and had a good jam, and people really took to it. It was great. And then years later, when I released my CD, Music SA put out a festival for the winter called the Umbrella Festival, and the Adelaide Festival Center put on guitars and bars to showcase emerging artists, guitar-themed music. And so I approached Cal. I was really getting to my blues. I really liked the way he sang and played slide guitar, and I thought, would you like to do a show? Us, we'll call it a double shot of raw blues. So we did that. Yeah, it was a fun show. Heaps of people came out to it. We got a good response. 
And then we just from time to time started playing together. And then I believe in 2017, Chris Spinnin had some health challenges and had to pull out of Cal Williams' fringe show called A History of Early Blues. I think we only had a couple of weeks. And because I was already comfortable, familiar with how he plays, he asked me if I wanted to come in to fill in where Chris Spinnin sort of stepped out on harmonica, though not guitar. And so we did that show. It was a lot of fun. I remember some people were booing because they were upset that Chris wasn't there. And I thought, okay, I'm going to put on one hell of a show. You know, I became Showboat Williams that day. (laughs) (laughs) The only thing when you do that is you got to keep that caliber of expectations. I ended up doing two more shows. And every time we do it, it just gets more and more interesting because there's so much room for improvisation when you play with Cal Williams and you play with Corey Howard on double bass. And those guys are fun to play with. It was a joy, great memories. I'm glad I was able to take part in that. He also put on a little side project called uh, the Ukulele Blues Explosion. And I remember like that just took off well too. They exhausted possibilities on the ukulele. I didn't play the ukulele though. I was just filling in rhythm sections for the harp. And, but we all took turns singing and doing all kinds of field holler and music and harmonies together. And it, it was a good little act. Excellent. Yeah. And then in 2018, you formed the Young Sequoias. Sequoias. I always pick these names that people can't pronounce for a band. <laughs> I knew Harping Will K would be easy. That's why Brandon did like that. But yeah, the Young Sequoias. I put an ad, I think it might have been band mix, and I saw this drummer sitting on this huge chair. It was like the chair from Game of Thrones. And I'm looking at him, and I'm, he's got this really nice looking drum kit. It didn't say very much. And I thought, I bet you he can play. And he sent him a message. And we got together for some rehearsals at his place, and it really gelled. He's a real good drummer, besides playing world music, rock and blues and jazz. It was a pleasure working with him, and we weren't sure if we were going to get a bass player. I mean, I I had an ad up for it, but then it kind of got fun as a two-piece. It made us play and think how to fill up the sound, being just a guitarist with harp and then him on drums. And he's such a good drummer. I think what they do, it's a jazz technique in drums where... If they don't have a bass player and they're playing in a duo or a trio, I think they tune their bass drum or tom. So it has a bit of a bassy resonance. You almost feel like there's a bass filling in on the offbeats. And he was very good at doing that, as well as me starting to learn to play with my thumbs more and filling in the sound with the harmonica. Because of COVID, right after we did this show, well, not right after, but when COVID hit and we started losing gigs, I had to focus on other things. And I did too for a while. So we just disbanded for now. It might be something we'll do in the future. I don't know. We have written some originals together, and I can see something like that being recorded in the near future. The highlight of our two-piece, we put on a French show, and I got inspired because, you know, Cal's doing these great French shows that I was a part of, and I thought I always wanted to put on a little French show and talk about the Chicago sound and how back in the 60s, you know, with the chess records and the sun labels and how in Britain, they were just eating it up. They just loved all those bands. You know, the Rolling Stones named their band name from a Muddy Waters song, you know. So I wanted to talk about the British explosion and how blues played a big role in that. And it was a great show in 2020. I called it Electric Delta Blues Hits Big Town. And that's a Junior Wells album. I thought, what a great name. (laughs) So I used it for the show. And for me, it was about trying to get into public speaking too a bit. It was easy to do with Corey and Cal because everyone's just sharing stories. We knew our parts where I'm like putting this whole show together and talking about trailing the music of the blues. And it was fantastic. Afterwards, everyone was just having a good conversation about music, bands, records. It was like a big blues appreciation society, so that'd be something I'd like to revisit again in the future for Fringe. Sounds wonderful.
Will, do you have a memorable gig story, good or bad, that you'd like to share? Oh, heaps of them. <laughs> this is a bad one, but I'll bring it up. I did my CD release at Cafe Tropo, and I think 65 people there, and I had a lot of friends and families. My friend who recorded the album was there with his wife and kid, and everybody's having beers and pizzas. And I had on the album, my wife used to sing in a choir, and she's a lovely voice. I got her to do vocals, backup harmony vocals on this album, along with two of my friends, Natasha Luke and Shell from The Wandering Minstrels. And so they were there. James on bass, Shell on drums, backup vocals, and Natasha and my wife. And so I'm ready to start my first song. And this big drunk guy comes in and he just said some profanity and was telling me that he's a better singer and everything. I think he just was hurting and he just wanted to hit something. And I basically thought I could have had him kicked out. There weren't bouncers there, but I just thought, I wonder if I can change this. I mean, after all, the album's called Last of the Singing Peace Chase, and I'm ready to sing past the piece. So I smiled and I just spoke to him calmly, even though I was kind of scared. I just said to him, if, if you're better than me, I would love to come out and support you. To me, this feels more like it's like a book signing. I came out, put out these songs. This is my wife. These are my friends. And I said, I don't think you're a bad guy, mate. You just need to like sober up and sit down and enjoy the music or leave. What's it going to be? So he ended up sitting down. He said some stuff. And then he realized as he was sobering up, it wasn't cool. And I was keeping cool and just enjoying playing the song. So that was a real test of my patience, I suppose. And he apologized. At the end, he was like, I'm so sorry, mate. I'm just having a bad week. And I said, no worries. And I thought, there you go. I represented my album well, you know. Definitely. Yeah. I think there was something else in that sounding spiritual here. I was into these Hawaiian prayers called Ho'oponopono. And silently in my mind, when I looked at him, I went, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. So whatever you're angry about, man, just let it go. doesn't matter. And I think that might have had something to do with it. I've used it more than once. So everybody out there, don't forget the whole Pono Pono. <laughs> There's a story for you. Eh? That's a story, all right. A year earlier, I played at the Warina Roots and Bluesgrass Festival out in the Warina Golf Course there up south. It was a two-day thing, so stayed at a friend's house and then went there the next day to do another two performances. And I remember in the auditorium, it felt really nostalgic. You know, it had a real vibe with, they didn't plug DIs. It was just mic guitars with microphones, and the sound was really good. So it had a feel like for Newport or something with Bob Dylan. It had that kind of feel where you just get up there and you play. And, and nobody could pronounce my name over the three performances I did. It was quite funny. They were all going, and it's Wilkaka. Calendar. I'm, I'd have to take the mic. Oh, it's calendars. Oh, oh yes, that's right. And I thought I'd play on that. A couple of friends out in the front watching me play. And out in the foyer near the front doors, when you're at your last song, the next musician who's going to play is usually at that front ready to come in. And so Chris Finnan was next up. And I remember Don Morrison he had his guitars out feature. There was a few luthiers selling guitars and talking about the music they do. And so he was out there too with the head organizer. And this is a full auditorium. I think there was like 200 people, something like 150, 200 people. It was full. And I looked at them at my second last song, and I got really cheeky. I never told the story before, and I'm telling it on a recording anyhow. And I, I said to everybody, look, I'm emerging, and I really am a nobody, and nobody can pronounce my last name. <laughs> but here's the thing. Let's make this a fun, magic experience. Now, I said, Chris Finnett is outside that foyer and Don Morrison is there and so is the head organizer. So if you guys give me one hell of a applause on my last song, give me a standing ovation and don't stop until they all come in and go, what's this? And I'll be bowing saying, thank you very much and all. And they'll go, oh, wow. 
So Chris Finnan now is going to be like, whatever he did, I'm going to have to top that. And so we're going to see Chris Finnan put on one hell of a show. Don't you want to see that? And they're all clapping like, great, me too, because I'm sitting in the front. And that's exactly what happened. Big standing ovation. And then all of a sudden the doors open and they all come in. They're all staring and everyone's looking over and trying not to laugh. And I'm like, thank you very much, you know, bowing and stuff. And we weren't supposed to do any encores, but they didn't want me to leave. And I had to do an encore. And so the <laughs> owner on the stage goes, can you do a song under three minutes? And I had a little ditty. I said, sure, I can. I just didn't solo too hard. And I did it and it was perfect. And then Chris comes up and introduces himself. And I've met him before. And he goes, oh, it looks like you did a good show. I'm like, yeah, you didn't know what was going on. And I tell you, it was the best performance I've seen Chris Finn. And he was playing like Hendrix behind his back. He was, when he like slides up the strings and tunes and untunes them. And he was just doing things that was just mind boggling. I'm like, yep was all worth it probably he doesn't know this to this day and now i have said it (laughs) (laughs) that was a great little festival there was a lot of great bands that played and uh, everybody had albums out except for me on the merch desk and that's what made me think i better start recording and finishing that album what a great story yeah okay will how do you prepare yourself before a show i always try to get there on time (laughs) make sure everything is working so i always check my gear before I go out so there's no technicalities because when I first came out and played in Starship Evolution, I swear to you, the bass player, Mike Dexter Palmer, he was like MacGyver. I remember one time I had my guitar, it had active pickups, in other words, battery operated from the back and one of the wires broke and I'm like, what am I going to do? And I, I had an acoustic, but I really wanted to promote the electric side of our playing and he comes out with a whole kit, like a toolkit of stuff for bass, guitar and a little welding kit and he fixes it on the spot and there's no worries. Give me a couple minutes and it made me realize always have backup everything. Always be prepared. How do I prepare? I don't really prepare. To me, it's just second nature because I've been playing so long. I just enjoy getting on stage and just having a go. Sometimes I have a set list. Other times I just kind of think of what I want to do and never follow it. Okay. Tell us about your setup. Yeah, my setup. It keeps changing, but I reckon I've got a pretty solid setup now. My harmonica... I mean, I've got a cool harmonica rack because I like playing hands-free while I play the guitar. For years, I was just playing through an SM58 and did harmonica straight up there while singing. And I don't know why I started late with amplifying the harmonica and going for a more Chicago sound. There's a bit of a valve break sound in, in the amp or the PA. I kind of liked that. And I thought, okay, I'll time to play that kind of style. And I did some research and I found this fella who makes this, it's a harmonica mic and preamp and it's got a switch and a boost on it and a volume control. It's magnetic and it's really great because it's in a cartridge. It's almost casing this cartridge. So it's like cupping your hands without using your hands. And you got that nice break sound and it sounds fantastic. It's made by a fella named Mitch Granger, who's Australian I think he has a bass as well, selling his harmonicas in LA, but he's another guy who plays, you know, hands-free guitar and harmonica who's really great, Mitch Granger, and his company is called Dynamike, D-Y-N-A, and then Mike, M-I-C. I've just started getting into effects too, so I've been playing clean my whole life. Just in the last couple of years, I've slowly built a harmonica pedal board, so... Now I like playing with a couple of what's called delays that give you echoes. You can have one that sounds what they call a slap echo. It's just like a bit of a repeat just after sounding the note, kind of what they do in Rockabilly. And then I have another one if I want to sound more ambient. Along with that, I've got an octave pedal I've just recently put into my sets that kind of sounds like a keyboard. I think that's 
kind of cool for a couple of songs. I've introduced it at one of my sets at Memphis Slim's House Blues in the city, and the crowd went wild, so that was a good choice. <laughs> I'm having fun playing kind of like guitar, but only on harmonica with effects now, pedals and stuff. So we'll see where that goes. Yeah. And what type of harmonica do you play? I've never ventured out of Honer. I just always like the sound of the Honer harmonicas. I play mostly Special 20s and Big Rivers. I also play uh, Marine Band. I'm starting to like that again. So those are the three I usually play. I have to admit, though, I do have some Lee Oscars that I pull out now and then, but they're only in alternate tuning. So you'll have like a natural minor harmonica for something that's a bit more on the scales of uh, Scarborough Fair or something. Those are the three brands I use. Well, how did the pandemic impact you? Oh, yeah, it did. I went from putting on a blues show and then doing some private birthday parties with Matt Collier and the Young Sequoias. We went from playing two, three gigs a month to like five. And I remember we had 10 gigs booked up in two months or something. And then as soon as it hit COVID, they all just canceled. It was a bit depressing, but at the same time, it's like, okay, maybe I need to work on recording. <laughs> Again, yeah. I kind of felt for everybody doing music. I mean, that was quite a challenge for a lot of people and a lot of friends who are in the music business. And it kind of made you feel, I mean, we had things like the knockoff sessions. So that was still featuring people live, let's say at the We Chief, only it was a video presentation rather than a live performance. And there was a lot of that going on. I thought that was a good idea, but I don't feel like, you know, there's something about playing live, the connecting with people that I enjoy. It just challenged everybody. It certainly did. It really did. Was there a positive that came from the lockdowns that wouldn't have occurred for you otherwise? It never stopped me from practicing. <laughs> well, that's a good thing, isn't it? Yeah, and I've been just building a big repertoire of songs, blues songs, and it also made me realize why I do it, because I just love it. It's a passion, you know? I think it's made me look at other endeavors, like when I do perform, I get a little list of people that get inspired and want to learn a harmonica, so I've got several people that want to learn. So I'm thinking of releasing a PDF from beginner to some really cool ideas on how to create more dynamics or ornament something you might already be doing and make it more interesting, that kind of thing. Yeah, so I'm thinking of maybe teaching sometime in the near future soon. So I've been working on that a bit, working on PDF tabs for harmonica. That's a good thing that came out of it, I suppose. Excellent. Well, if you could only offer one tip to a brand new player, what would it be? Only one tip? Unless they don't already know, I think they should start in the key of C. I reckon it's... It's the best key to start as a beginner. It's in the middle, so the reeds are just the right length. They're not too long, like on a G harmonica, or really short, like on an F sharp, because there's 12 keys, right? So most songs, common songs, there's so many songs written in the key of C. Who are your top three players? From now or past or anybody? Well, let's go now. Okay. I like listening to a guy named Jason Ritchie, and he's quite eccentric and really doesn't hold back he challenges himself in playing first position second third fourth fifth so he's very interesting to listen to very bluesy i always liked a guy named adam gusaw i think i said his name right and he was a harmonica player and he teaches online and stuff but he's got a great sound and plays with the guy and put out an album called satan and adam and satan was like this session guitar players back in the mid 60s and then he was just a busker and a really good guitarist. And so Adam went along and jammed with this guy and put out a few albums called Satan and Adam. And it's Harlem Blues, so that's really cool. There's uh, Nick Clark, who's this young guy. I think he might be from 
Denver, Colorado. But overall, a great young player who I listened to from the past. I'll have to definitely recommend Paul Butterfield or Kim Wilson. Great yeah. players, really influenced by them. And what about locally? Locally? Oh, man, there's lots of great players. There's Snooks Levy. Mm-hmm. There's Bobby Blue. Mm-hmm. He's great. I remember opening for him once and thought, great, man, you know. A friend of mine, Karen, who plays in the River Rats. She's cool. She's come a long way. So she's worth listening to. They got a nice thing going. David Blake and Mick Kidd are really good. We got some good players here in Adelaide. It's awesome. And then just in Australia, I thought I was doing something unique, playing guitar and harmonica together. And then you hear Juzzy Smith and you're going, yeah, he's good. He's juggling, playing harmonica and playing a cigar box. I'm going, okay. <laughs> Real showman, you know? Yeah. Well, if you could invite any musicians to join you to play a concert anywhere in the world, who would you call and where would you hold the concert? What, live or dead? Live, obviously. You can resurrect, if you like, for this scenario. Holy God, there's just too many good ones. Where do you start? I reckon I'd have Mike Bloomfield from the Paul Butterfield Blues Band on guitar or slide. Yeah, he just has this vintage sound I just love. Maybe because I listened to so much Paul Butterfield in the past, it would compliment me jumping in and playing with him. Who else? Jeez, you got me on the spot. The rhythm section of the Jimi Hendrix experience would be cool, having like Noel Redding and Mitch Mitchell, or even the band of Gypsy Dudes, Billy Cox and something Buddy on drums. They're just great musicians. I don't know who else. You got me on surprise with that one. I guess that's who I'd pick. I just want to see what it's like playing in front of like half a million people. So Woodstock would be nice. I know Paul Butterfield played there and so did the guys from Candid Heat. So that would be kind of cool. It would. Yeah. Otherwise, I don't have a preference. Every venue, every gig's fun to play, really. It'd probably be really cool to play someplace like the Apollo in Chicago because of its history. I'm only saying that because I've seen a lot of live blues celebration shows where they get like Jeff Beck, Eric Clapton, B.B. King, Buddy Guy, Albert Gon, Steve Rave all on the same stage together. And they're all like taking turns soloing and singing and just having a good time. And I always thought that was cool. Yeah, great. So are you just mainly playing on your own at the moment? I am at the moment. You never know. I might front a band in the near future. Really love doing my originals on guitar and harmonic. That's an edge I have too, I suppose, being a guitarist. You have understanding of phrasing and hooks and fills and soloing with the guitar and harmonica together. So I hold my own on both, but it's something about just playing harmonica that's a lot of fun and singing and doing some originals as well as old songs. I'd like to do that one day, but right now I'm just playing by myself. Where do you see yourself in the next 10 years? Definitely have more albums out. (laughs) Probably have a teaching thing on YouTube. It's nice to give back. If you've been doing it for a long time, well, I've been in it over 30 years, and I just do it out of passion. I love it. It's interesting that I perform now. You know, I don't do massive advertising, but put out a CD, and it's not having word of mouth and being able to get gigs just off of scales because it's been built up for years. So I just see that continuing to grow and see myself playing in other people's albums. I've, I've done a little bit of that too so that'd be fun i've done one where the fellow who recorded me his name is uh, sunny taverna his friend peter they're in a project called shadows collide and they're great songwriters and of course i went to him to record the album and he wanted me to do some recording so i said sure and i, I listened to one of his songs 
And it's like folk rock, really. It had piano on it and all this great music. And it was fun doing recordings to that. And then a friend, his brother wanted some recordings. And we were good friends, still are. He plays guitar and slide. I did some harmonica on his album on a song called Good Times. And it makes you think when you play harmonica, because you have so much to say. But when you're actually recording, less is best. And you also don't want to be too overpowering. You play what the song needs. And same thing when I recorded on Kowloon's album called Luma. I was on a couple of tracks on one called Redwood City and the other one, Turn Your Money Green. And it's fun. I usually do two takes and you just pick one. And then sometimes I'm, I get into this intuitive feeling that, oh, I think they're both too much. You'll like the last one I'm going to do. And then I do it. And then it turns out they like it and put it on there. So, so far I've done three recordings of people's albums. I like to see more of that maybe in the future. What do you hope to have achieved before you do stop playing? I don't know. I just, I just go day to day and just enjoy where it takes me. I don't think I'll ever stop playing. It's so ingrained in me, you know? I just love it. Play every day, whether it's just for me or some friends I catch up with. I just see where it takes me. I like the suspenseful journey of just keep going and enjoy. I'm just staying inspired. It's what it's all about, really. Yeah. Anyone who's inspired, I know the biggest thing for me learning was just listening to records and sharing information is key with records. And so I'll, I'll recommend some great albums with harmonica. And one of them I've been listening to a lot recently is the Memphis Barbecue Sessions, I believe it's called, with Big Jack Johnson on guitar and mandolin. And then you have Kim Wilson on harmonica. And I think there's a special guest, Pine Top Perkins on keys piano it's an awesome album really got that mississippi vibe but the playing on the harmonica with tim wilson is exceptional another really good album more hippie hippie harmonica i would call it the turning point so it was an album put out live it's by john mayo it's just a great album and i suggest it's one of those albums you revisit and play along to because the album has no drums it's just john mayo on slide guitar from time to time singing scatting and making rhythm sounds as well as playing the harmonica. And then there's another musician who plays saxophone and flute, then a bass player, and then another guy playing fingerstyle guitar. And the way they hold the rhythm together, it's just great composition, great improvisation. And again, it's recorded live. Another fantastic thing about that album is the arrangements with the sax. I won't just play the harmonica arrangements. I'll play along to that album and do the flute and the sax. And that means I'd have to think about going beyond bending in the second position. Back in the 80s, you know, I had friends that were into their mods, scars, and they listened to 60s music and garage tunes. And a lot of 60s bands had garage music. You know, I wasn't a great player. Everyone used to say to me when I was 16, you suck, man. What do you play that? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you'll see. One day, wasn't about that. Anyhow, I was just in inspired. So I would listen to old garage bands. It wasn't hard harmonica to learn, but... It kept a cool rhythm going, and it really brought something special into the song. A great song, for example, to learn. It's not too hard on the harmonica. It's more rhythm, and it just complements the guitar. Is a song called Psychotic Reaction by the Count Five. That's a good yeah, one. Yeah, that's a great song. Yeah, a simple harmonica, and you can follow the beat and really get you going. And the Beatles, Love Me Do, that's a great song to do harmonica to, right? And then eventually work your way up to the Yardbirds with I'm a Man and I Ain't Got You where it's not too busy, but it's just really complimenting what the guitar is doing. British Invasion blues bands, one or two of them had harmonicas on their albums, and it's great to just pick up on that and try to play that really well 
and then eventually move on to the British Blues. Not Fade Away by the Rolling Stones. That's good harmonica. Brian Jones, yeah, he's a good harmonica player. From there, go right into listening to Muddy Waters when he had the real folk blues albums with Little Walter. Fantastic stuff. Or James Cotton. And then from there, listen to good old Junior Wells with Buddy Guy or uh, Sugar Blue. It never ends and it keeps growing. There's just so many great artists now, as well as the past artists. Anything you can hear on the harmonica, just play it, whether it's a piece of classical or traditional, like, oh, when the saints go marching in or something or Amazing Grace. And eventually, as you keep playing those scales, you're going to get more and more familiar, graduating into familiarizing yourself with other songs. And you get more and more confident moving around those 10 holes, those 10 reeds. Yeah, great. I just feel like sharing my philosophy on harmonica playing. I just love it. Remember, everybody, learn to do things like bend a note. I'll do one now for you. I got a harp with me. So here's a bend. All you're doing really is forming with your tongue. So you're drawing air in. When you draw air in and you form the sound, it'll curl your tongue and it'll force the air and sort of direct it from the hole to lift the reed up and form that kind of bend you can usually get a full bend a half bend and then just your note it's like almost getting two three notes out of each hole just from drawing in i'm starting to become a tongue blocker i never do realize it's a joy to do it so that's something that's coming in my style tongue block more usually i'm a pucker so that's getting nice clear sounds through each hole and then building those scales kind of like what paul butterfield does and then having things like the rattle the vibrato and then having little rhythms single patients in the music is always cool hopefully i'm inspiring you die to pick up the harmonica after this i have actually played harmonica on stage before when our band the brass pockets which was a tribute to the pretenders introduced the song middle of the road into our set in that song there's a little bit of harmonica right near the end of it so i found out what key it was in and then i listened to it over and over until i worked out how to play it and the funny part was when i came off stage i had a few people come up to me and say hey i didn't know that you could play the harmonica which of course I don't really. I only taught myself that so that we could include the song. I don't know how to play anything else. (laughs) You shouldn't stop. If I start teaching, you got to get the PDF and go for it, hey? Yeah, okay. No worries. I will. (laughs) I actually taught a friend in Canada and he actually picked it up and played really well. So I'm thinking, I don't know why I never kept going. Yeah, you should. I mean, you've done it, right? Yeah. Jack of all trades. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. There you go, man. It's fun. I love it. I think there's lots of opportunity for people to just pick up on something, familiarize yourself with the sound of harmonica. And then once you get confident, you know, it just starts to develop. And I think that's always kept me inspired. Like, I always feel like I'm a student for life. And if there was nothing left to learn, I probably would play it less. But I'm always finding interesting ideas and also just listening to people. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't think of that. That would be a good way to learn to play it. So you're always in the state of learning. You are. When it comes to music, you never stop learning. You never, never stop learning, no. And I love that old school Chicago blues. I love new stuff as well. But then I'll always go back to like John Lee Hooker with Boom, Boom, Boom. And I always do them in my set. I love doing um, anything by Howlin' Wolf and Muddy Waters. I'm always doing Smokestack Lightning and Spoonful and Sitting on Top of the World. And lately I've been, I do a lot of originals too, but I love throwing in some covers. Even playing like Subterranean Homesim Blue. I'm not sure if there's harmonica in that. I think there is. I do it anyhow with harmonica. (laughs) 
And recently, I, I threw this into my set, Willie and the Handjive, and that's by Johnny Otis. And that's a fun one to do. That gets everybody going. I don't know if there's harmonica in that. I don't think the original has it, but it's so good for harmonica. It has that Bo Diddley beat, Who Do You Love? I notice what's been happening in my sets, though, is I, I'll play a lot of blues, but I've reworked my song so many times from that first debut album, Last of the Singing Peaches, because it's bluesy, but it also has a really funky, upbeat vibe. And because of COVID lockdowns, and now we're allowed to have more space and dance, people just love dancing. And so I throw in a lot of blues in my sessions, and then I'll pick a song like Where Eagles Fly, Sweet Sailing, Past the Peace from that album. And I'm getting more and more people and dancing and really enjoying the set. So it's quite a thing to do as a solo artist. And I used to get that a bit, but not quite as much as I do now. I've also introduced a foot stomp into my set. So I've got that beat going, foot stomping while playing some little riffs on the harmonica. It always makes it interesting. Before we end our chat today, I'm going to ask Will 20 quick random questions or as many as we can get through in the space of two minutes to close the interview. Are you ready, Will? Yep. Let's do it. Your time starts now. What was the first song that you learnt to play on the harmonica? I love me do. What was the first album that you purchased? Uh, I believe my brother and I went and got The Doors, Waiting for the Sun. What is your favourite song to play on the harmonica? Oh, too many. Ah, uh, Lord. Good question. Um, I like doing The Skies Crying, actually. Okay. I really enjoyed that. Great. Which former US president actually went on stage with Willie Nelson and B.B. King at a concert to show off his skills on the harmonica? Clinton. Oh, no. Sorry. No, Carter. Yeah, Carter. Uh, Clinton played sax. Go on. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Name a band that you wish you'd seen perform live. Paul Butterfield Blues Band. True or false, the 1925 White House Christmas tree was adorned with 50 harmonicas. Uh, I'll say true. Correct. What was the first concert that you went to? Not proud of it. We went with a friend. I'm not a big fan, but you two back in 85, I think, 84. Okay. What ape-like creature is said to inhabit the forests of North America? What kind of creature was it? Sorry, I didn't yeah. catch it. Ape-like. Oh, yeah, Bigfoot, Sasquatch. Correct. What was the first single that you purchased? Uh, might have been Gary Newman Cars back in the day. <laughs> Okay, true or false? Canadians eat one billion donuts every year. I believe it, yes. Yes, it's true. Name one thing that you cannot live without. Harmonica. What is your favourite Bob Dylan song? Subterranean Hoax and Blues. What was the last concert that you went to? I might have been Steve W. Stonking, I think. Your favourite cuisine? <laughs> We're out of time. Pasta. Too late. <laughs> Thank you once again, Will, for joining me for the Bandit About podcast today. You've been great to chat to, and I hope that everyone who listens finds this as enjoyable as I did. Thank you for having me on the show and harp on. All of the information and links relating to today's interview can be found in the show notes. And if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please share the link with your friends. Until next week, it's goodbye from me, Dice Belaine.
banded about, proudly supporting live music. Bye. See ya. You know I gotta keep it on steady in on steady times, whoa yeah You know you, we got to open up our hearts and let the love shine through, yeah Or we can come together in any weather you know love, oh we can Or we can open up our hearts with love, oh we can Well feel your heart so well, eagles fly high above the trees where the breeze feels right. I feel my heart so on a nature's wing. Sacred songs of love that we can all now sing. I say, feel your heart soar. Where well, eagles fly high above the up and down with nature's eye. We got love for all quality. Sharing for my heart is the only way to be free, yeah. You know we got it going on Oh yeah You know we got it going on We're feeling with your heart No need, no proof You're letting go and trust You start to see the truth I gotta keep it real No matter what they say it is One of all together is also how it is Cause a simple truth lies deep within Knowing we should share our world with every kid We got love for all equality Sharing from our heart is the only way to be free, yeah You know we got it going on and on and on here Oh yeah City times, whoa yeah. You know you, we got to open up our hearts and let the love shine through. Yeah. We can come together in any weather you know love. We can, we can open up our hearts with love. We can feel your heart so where eagles fly high above the trees where the breeze feels right. Feel my heart so on a nature's wing Sacred songs of love that we can all now sing Feel your heart soar where eagles 
fly high above or look on down with nature's eye. We got love for all, equality, sharing from our heart is the only way to be free, yeah. You know we got it going on and on and on, whoa, whoa, yeah, whoa, yeah. Heart so where eagles fly, where eagles fly, where eagles fly, where eagles fly, where eagles fly. Whoa, yeah. You know we got it going on